Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Good morning, Trinity. How are you doing today? Uh, Today we thank, we salute all of our veterans. If you're a veteran in the house, please stand up. All right. We thank you today for your service. Uh, my dad was a veteran, my cousin. You remember the story I told you about the two guys that made the butt for Halloween? My cousin Ernie, uh, is a, uh, he was in the Air Force. Uh, I have a co- or my uncle George was in Korea. I have another great uncle that was in the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, the reason you and I can sing freely and follow Jesus is because our veterans. They fight the fights, they, they fight the battles that, that, that we don't ever see. And we're grateful for that. So let's pray for our vets right now. Father, right now we pray and we thank you for all those that are currently serving in our military and those that have served, Lord God. We thank you for their lives, Lord Jesus. You said in your word that there's no greater love than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. We thank you, Lord, for all the men and the women that have served bravely, Lord God, so that we could be free. We pray that you bless them. We pray that you bless their families. And Father, we pray for those that have made the ultimate sacrifice, Lord God, and that have given their life for our freedom. Bless them, Lord God. Lift them up. And be with them today, Lord, as we celebrate their sacrifice. In your name, and everybody said, amen. amen. A few other things. By the way, and I'm going to ask your grace today. We did, we did baptisms today, and usually what I'll do is we'll do baptisms, and in the wintertime, I'll change into pants. I forgot my pants. <laughs> so you get to see these big calves today uh, that hold up the, the chunky Greek body through the whole time. Uh, a couple other things just to make you aware of, and I wanted to bring you guys up to speed. On uh, Pastor Trish, first of thank you for her prayers. Uh, She is recovering. She's starting to get feeling back in her uh, left side of her body, which is miraculous. Uh, She's in rehab right now, so we're just going to pray that God would strengthen her through rehab. I talked to Derek. Derek said that her wit and her her orneriness is still there. She's bossing him around, which is a good sign. Uh, So we're going to pray for a complete recovery for her. And we're going to keep the Gunn family in prayer, too. Uh, They had uh, uh, their baby, uh, grandbaby Elijah, had uh, um, surgery to remove a piece of cancer between his heart and his spine this week. The enemy is coming after the gun family, but how many of you know that God is stronger, right? So we lift them up and we pray for them. Uh, A few other things too. Uh, Hopefully you guys have seen these cards around uh, here at Trinity. What are these cards? Are these just things to look at? Are these things to put on your fridge? Are these things to pick the, you know, the goodies out of your teeth with? No. These These are strategic delivery systems for your friends, your neighbors, and your loved ones to connect them to God's love, power, and presence. We've got a lot of stuff going on here at Trinity. You heard of a few things that are happening. Uh, by the way, that Christmas concert is, is legit. Uh, if you go on K-Love, those guys are on K-Love right now. Uh, you wanna, it's already starting to sell out, so you want to get tickets for that. Uh, don't also forget, uh, every Saturday night, we have a thing called Saturday Night Lights. It's open to the, to the public. The outside of our church, we've increased what we did last year. It's going to be great. The inside is open for all families. It's all free. We've got cocoa stations, cookie creation stations, craft stations. It's an incredible opportunity to invite your friends to come and to experience the hospitality and the extravagant love of Trinity. And last but not least, we also have our glow event coming up. That is our Christmas Eve services. This year, we're doing four. Four services on Christmas Eve. We're doing 9, 11, 1, and 3. Space is already, it's limited. Space is already filling up. Register your family so you've got space there. We have a fifth service on hold in the back just in case we need it. Uh, but the sooner you get on, the better you get here. Because do me a favor. Don't show up Christmas Eve and nobody, if somebody's in your seat, 
And pastor, somebody's in my seat like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Goomba. You got to take care of that guy that's in my seat. I'm not going to do that unless you have enough money. Then I might. <laughs> Grab five or six of these and uh, spread them out to your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones, and it'll be great. All right, I think that's all the announcements for today that I had to do. Uh, now let's get back to business. Baptism Sunday. Wasn't this great? See people moving from death to life. If you've not been baptized in water tonight, you know, this is your time, baby. We actually have some people that were witnessing 9 o'clock and they want to get baptized at 11. We can do that. We're that flexible, baby. It's amazing what we can do and a Benjamin Franklin can do. Some of you old thugs, you mean like a $100 bill? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't do that. Come and be baptized. There's something special when you make a declaration to live your life for God. You know, God does not need secret agents. He needs people that will live their faith out loud. And are confident. We're not in China. We're not in Burkina Faso. We're not in India where you got to kind of be on the download. We're in the United States of America, which means you have the freedom to share your faith. So this whole month we've been talking about, you know, living our faith out loud, living from a place of blessing, from the overflow of what God gives us. And today we, uh, we take another step. So some of you know this. I am a lover of food. Some of you are shocked, and I don't know how you could be shocked at that statement. Now, when you, when you have food, there's categories of food. You have the staple foods that you need to live on, your fruits and your vegetables. And I'm fond of, of almost all forms of food. There's a, food, a few pieces of, you know, some food that I don't like. I'm not a fan of liver. How many liver haters do we have in here? How many of you love liver? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it smells bad. It tastes bad. Anything that you serve with its, mind, you know, its main component is onions. should tell you everything you need to know right there. I love onions, but not that way, right? And then, you know, vegetables, like, you know, I, have, I love all vegetables except for two. You can take all the lima beans and the Brussels sprouts in the world and throw them into the darkest pit. If we never see them again. Now, I got to tell you this. I did have some Brussels sprouts uh, smothered in bacon. I mean, let's be real. If you, put, if you put a napkin with bacon, I'd eat that napkin. But for me, above all things, when it comes to, to, to the genre of foods, uh, I love ice cream. I love it. I don't have a strong enough word to use to declare how much I love ice cream. So we're in Wisconsin, and we get there, and they have this. Uh, I love, one of the things about, I, lo I love about the uniqueness of areas is every area has, has their own, like, take on what great ice cream is. So they had this franchise there called Bricks. And Bricks was known for this. They were known for their one-pound, soft-serve, custard ice cream cone. Look, Tony just went to his happy place. He looked up in the sky it parted. Jesus said hello. So I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever encountered a one-pound ice cream cone. So I got there, and all, they're all talking about, Pastor Jesus, you got to check out this ice cream cone. It's amazing. It's custardy, so it's rich, and it's incredible. So, so we make a trip, and it's a special thing, and I got all these people there with me, and we're all there. And we, as a, as a family and a bunch of people in the church, we're going to experience the Bricks one-pound ice cream cone. So they come, and it's so big, they can barely get it out of the thing. And I, I still remember this to this day. They handed me the twist. I got the, the twist just like that guy did, the twist, because I like I them both. And they handed me the cone, and my first thought was, hmm, I thought it'd be bigger. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if this is a pound of ice cream, I need to cut back on what I'm eating at night <laughs> at the house, because this is not looking as massive as I thought it would look. It should be something that's like, it should come with like theme music. Dun, 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 dun. It didn't. And, you know, these guys were like, you'll never put that down. So after I ate my ice cream, um, 
I, uh, I was like, you know, this is, this is crazy. And it reminded me of this. You know, we had all the other kids in there. I think Toby was small then, and he could barely eat half of it. You know, and everybody, they were all struggling, and they got ice cream on their face, and it's dripping all over their hands. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, come on, man, this is, this is crazy. But let's just, you know, are you not up to the challenge or not? If you can't eat it, just put the thing down. Abundance. Who on earth needs a pound of ice cream? Well, you know, it's abundance. When you look all over the United States, we all have these little things. I remember we took a bunch of people from the church in Denver down to this place because they did a seven-pound burrito. Have you ever tried to eat seven pounds of food? We took 15 guys down there, a camera crew, and we tried to eat a seven-pound burrito. The best I got, I got maybe a pound, and I'm like, this stinks. This is bad. You think in your head, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Scripture was flowing in my head. Seven pounds is nuts. Overflow, it's abundance. Sometimes I think we forget this. The God that we serve doesn't just give you enough to survive. He's not a breadcrumb God. He's a God that gives you abundance. Why? So that you can waste things? No. Because the delivery system of the gospel is to take what you have and the abundance that he gives you and to pass it along to everybody else. Do you realize this? If we as people live from abundance and we live from that principle, God blesses us and with our blessings we bless others, others, hunger would cease to exist. Our world would be completely changed. There'd be no need, there'd be no famine, there'd be no brokenness. There is more than enough for us if you follow God's principle. That's why he gives us abundance. Sometimes we shy from that because we think, well, that, that can't be God because God, you know, he wouldn't be about a waste. God's not about waste. He's about blessing. So when it comes to abundance, we don't look at abundance from our perspective. Our goal as believers is to try to figure out what God means when he comes from the, the place of abundance. Most of the time, and I know you don't do this, but every once in a while I do this, we limit God. Do you know that God can do anything? He can do anything he wants to at any moment. So what's the problem? What's the disconnect? Do you think it's a God problem or do you think it's an us problem? Sometimes we limit God. We limit what he can do in us and we limit what he can do through us. And you know what's funny? Sometimes even as believers, we limit in our lives what we think blessing should be. We live for less. And God has promised us more for a purpose. He's given us abundant life. For a purpose. He created you for a purpose that's greater than yourself. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible to me. So what does it mean to follow an unlimited God? And what does it really mean for us to live a blessed life? Do you know that God wants your life to be blessed? He created a pathway so you and I could have a blessed life. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Blessed are those that hope in the Lord, that trust in the Lord, and have made the Lord their hope and the confidence, and their confidence. So we know in the word is clear, God wants you to be blessed. So what does it mean for us as believers to be blessed? And how do we position ourselves to walk out that blessing? Now, one of our fundamental challenges is this. As believers, you know, every once in a while, we're human, which means this. We can be self-centered. Is anybody in this room self-centered? No, pastor, not me. I'm never self-centered. What, what is, let me ask, who has, who has the control of the remote in your house? What happens if the other person gets the remote? I know what happens in my house. It's Hallmark movies all day long. You know what? I think 
the waiting room of purgatory and hell is Hallmark movies on a TV. Pick your number. Just wait. Here we go. It's coming up. Ding. Here you go. Not for eternity. No! Right? Who chooses what to eat in the house? Who chooses where you go to eat? Where do you want to go? I don't know. I don't care. Okay, we'll go here. I don't want to go there. Just tell me. At our core, if we're not careful, beloved, we could be selfish. We could be self-focused. This is why we struggle also sometimes with blessing because we think either it's going to be all about us and we want it all, or we don't know if we can handle all that stuff. So what does it mean for us to walk in blessing? I think we can get a good idea of what God's speaking to us by looking at that passage and by looking at two little words in the passage. Now, let me give you a little bit of, we're going to kind of go to a little language class now. <clears throat> Sometimes I think we struggle with different Bible translations because we don't understand how the ancient languages are built. So can you hang with me for like two minutes? I'm just going to throw something down real quick for you. And trust me, it's, it'll be beneficial in the long run. So when you look at different translations, how the Bible was written. You know this. The Bible was not written in King James English, right? You know that, right? I heard people, Pastor, we just need it in the, in the original language. You know, King James 1611. And I'm like, that's not the original language. When you look at the Bible, the Bible is built in Hebrew and in Greek. And, and sometimes languages, we don't understand this, they're built differently than what our modern languages look like. For example, English is a language, it's like a melting pot language. English is built on the backs of other languages. English primarily is built on the backs of Greek, Latin, and French. That's why you can kind of recognize some of the, you know, some of the different words. Spanish is like that to a degree as well. For example, we have a lot of words in our, in our, in our dictionary today that, that have Greek meaning to them and they, they affect our language. For, for example, there's a Greek word that's one of my favorite words. It's called mega. Can you guess what mega means? Big. Mega means big. It does. So when you talk about, you add that word mega to anything. You go to the McDonald's, you know, and they do the supersize or the mega size. You know what that means. That means that they have to bring a dump truck to give you the fries, right? Right? Or you go to like the mega store. What does that mean? That's not the mini store. That's the, that's the big store. So you add that, that, that Greek word mega to anything and it makes it bigger. You know, the word auto. Auto is a Greek word. You know, you know what auto means? Self. Like automatic. It does it itself. You get into an automobile. You get in your car and you drive your car. It's, it's an automobile. It's part of the Greek. We add that to the other things and it gives us our English language. Now, English is built like that. Hebrew is not built like that. Hebrew is built in this, this thing called pictographs. So the ancient Hebrew letters, they weren't just, just there for knowledge. They expressed action, doing something. So every letter in their alphabet came with an action. It wasn't just about knowledge. Every letter represented something. So if you want to know the real meaning of the Hebrew words, you want to go deep into Hebrew, you have to have some understanding of pictographs, what they are. Now these concepts, they help to give us insight into what the, the, the authors were trying to communicate. Now, this is not easy, then. That's, that's why the bridge from Hebrew to English sometimes is not easy, because we don't have words and understanding sometimes from some of the ancient languages. So let me tell you something. Every once in a while, we got to kind of make some educated guesses and understanding of what they mean. Languages that are built in pictographs are geared more toward function and purpose. This is why sometimes we struggle to understand what some of these texts means. You know, for English, we have separate things in our head, buckets for knowledge and function. They're not the same. Hebrew is just built different. 
English is meant to be clean and literal. This is why the church in America and the church in Europe is so bent on knowledge and understanding rather than action. It's not either or, it's and and both, but if we had to pick one, the church in America is more about what they know rather than what they do. Capiche? You come, you put in your time, you do your stuff. Our doctrine is pure. You, maybe you grew up in orthodoxy. That's what we did. We have the true understanding of what this is. You know, we didn't have to worry about taking care of the poor. We didn't have to worry about, we had our festivals, don't get me wrong, but they were kind of self-focused because we made money off of those festivals, right? Kind of like the Catholics do every once in a while. That's what makes Family Fest unique. You know what makes Family Fest unique? It's free. It's free 99, baby, Right? So English is built, you know, our understanding is more about knowledge rather than function. Hebrew is concept-driven. It's fluid. It's very illustrative. So when we look at these two words in this passage in Jeremiah, we're going to look at it from a Hebrew understanding. The first word is this, blessed. What is the Hebrew word for blessed? It's barak. And it actually means this. It means to kneel as to show honor. So think about this. When we sing and we talk about blessing God, the actual action that is connotated in in the Hebrew is that we kneel down and we bless him and we show him honor. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Don't we show honor to those that are greater than us? And, you know, we want to do those things, we want to give them stuff, but this is nuts. You ready for this? The word blessed, whether it's us blessing God or God blessing us, is the same word, it's the same action, the same function, which means this. When God blesses us, you know what he does? He kneels down to bless his creation. The God of the universe comes down and he comes close to bless you. When he blesses us as believers, he comes down and just as to bless him is to honor him, he blesses us, he comes down and he honors us. When you honor God, God honors you. Have you ever thought about that? When you show him honor, God shows you honor. And there's an intimacy that happens. When the God of the universe decides to come down, Emmanuel, God with us, and to bless you. Now, that means for us, blessing is more than just stuff. To have a blessed life, you get to reap the benefits of being honored by God. Let that sink in. You get to reap the benefits of God honoring you. What are some of those benefits? If you've got your Bible, turn to Psalm 103. This is incredible. This is, and it's just going to get crazier. You ready for this? Some of you are like, we don't know what you're talking about, Pastor TJ. Can you be funny? It's coming. Psalm 103 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. These are some of the benefits These are some of the ways that God honors us when we honor him. It says this, who forgives all of our iniquities. When you honor God and you do things God's way, the first thing he does is he takes your iniquities, your sins, all of those things that you do against him, and he gives you forgiveness. The Bible tells us this. He takes your sin, and he throws them as far as as it is from the east to the west. says this. He takes your sins. And he throws them into the sea he calls forgetfulness. You know what we like to do? We like to fish in the sea that he throws our iniquities into. Don't we? 
Because we don't think, well, he can't possibly forgive me for that. How many of you struggle sometimes to forgive yourself for things that you've done and things that you said? If you struggle sometimes to forgive yourself, you know what that makes you? Human. Now, and this is the beautiful thing about humanity. Maybe you figured out how to forgive yourself and how to really honor God at his word, but in case, you know, even if you've got it right, you've got your friends and your neighbors in the church that can remind you of all the ways that you stink. Have you ever noticed that we tend to to brand people and designate people by their, their brokenness rather than their, their health and their victories. I know nobody in here does that, but other churches do, right? Well, there's that one girl. Did you see what she did last week? I heard about her and her husband. I heard about him. They're, that kid, he's crazy. We have to designate people. We have to see people the way Jesus sees them, not the way that we see people. So one of the ways that he benefits from us is he, he comes and he, he forgives us from your iniquities. That means this. If you're forgiven, be forgiven. Walk in forgiveness, walk in freedom. Don't get stuck in your mess anymore. When you get stuck in that thing and you start to circle that, that, that thing over and over and over, you know what that is? That's elementary teaching. And God, if he can keep you, if the enemy can keep you in that little place, you never step out of yourself. It's self-focused. And you're never able to do what God wants you to do. So get out of it. Break out of it. He's the one who heals all your diseases. One of the benefits, one of the ways that God comes and he honors you is he gives you the privilege to come to him and say, Lord, will you heal me? Heal my body. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. It's part of the blessings that we reap. Verse 4 says, he redeems your life from destruction. All of us before Jesus are on a path to destruction. How do we know that? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That's just where it goes. And even if, you know, beyond that, even as believers, once you give your heart to Christ, to stay on that path is important. Why? Because the enemy's always trying to derail you. He's always trying to take you off course. God is the one that keeps you safe from destruction. When you follow his plans, when you honor him, he honors you. He gives you the path to take. He says he crowns you with loving kindness. And tender mercies. Why do you think God crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? By the way, when do you need tender mercies? When do you need mercy? Do you need mercy if you got everything figured out? Do you need mercy if you're all that and a bag of chips? No. We need God's kindness and his loving nature, not because you don't earn loving kindness. You receive it as a gift at your lowest point. Why does God bestow that upon us? To show us what we're supposed to do with others. Doesn't that make sense? We pass along to others what God has passed along to us. What do we call that? Overflow. Abundance is part of abundance. I love five. He satisfies your mouth with good things. I put ice cream in that category. He takes care of your needs. That's what he's saying right there. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Every time I see that verse, I think of Pastor Trish. I just do. 65 years old, running circles around most 20-year-olds that I know. You know why? She is fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. She lives this out. These are the benefits of what it means to live a blessed life. This is God. When you honor him, he honors you. This is him reaching down and showing you honor. 
All this is part of the blessings of God. As you honor God, he honors you. Now, this happens in every area of our lives. Every area in your life that you follow God's path, you'll reap the blessing of what he's asking you to do. And every place that you honor him, he'll honor you. For example, one of the toughest things that we have to deal with all the time is our money. The Bible tells us this, where your treasure is, your heart is. If you want to know what's important to you, pull up your app on your phone and look where you spend your money. Just look. Anytime we talk about finances in church, people get, they get nervous. Pastor Chief finances, all the church just wants my money. We don't want your money. You know that God doesn't need your money, right? Do you know that? He doesn't need your money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The gold that's on your finger, who do you think put the gold in the mountains? That was God. He doesn't need your money. Your money, giving to God, has nothing to do about what he needs from you. It has everything to do with dependence. He wants to remind you where all of the good things come from and to pour out more blessing in your life. He does. That's following God's path. And the way this works is very simple. When you honor God with your money, just like everything else, you live a blessed life with your money. Robert and I, we've been tithing for 30-some years. And we made this decision years ago. I would rather live on 90% of my income blessed than 100% not blessed. And look at me. Does it look like I'm lacking anything? Now, the shirt's a little snug, but I mean, just look. In fact, this is what the Bible talks about when it talks about financial blessing. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. Now, what is the tithe for us? It's 10%. We just, we just give 10%. It says this, if you do, the Lord says, the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you, will have, you won't have enough room to take it all in. Try it, put me to the test. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, try it, put me to the test. Now, we get stuck up in the minutia of this sometimes, and we get, we get afraid. Now, again, when you talk about giving, there's two things you talk about. What God requires, what God requests. What God requires from us is our tithe, 10%. We write a check for 10%, and that lets the house be full. What do we do with that, with that 10% here? We do the business part of the church. We do benevolence part of the church. We take care of all the needs in the church. If everybody in the church tithed, there'd be no needs in the house. Are you ready for this? And what we'd be able to do in our community would be astounding. We operate now probably with about 30% of our church tithing. And we're still blessed. So that's what God requires. And then you have a God request. What is that? That's your offering. That's when God speaks to your heart about something special. Helping somebody. Uh, doing something. Family Fest was an offering, not a tithe. You know, Robin and I gave well to Family Fest. Why? We believe in it. I believe that God uses it to, to awaken people's hearts. I saw all that to say this. Some of you are struggling with your finances. I want to encourage you. Put God to the test. Start somewhere. Try it. Has God ever failed you in any other area of your life? Then try it. Tithe and see what he does. Work up to it. I don't care. We don't have books in the back going, uh-huh, they're only at 7%. What are we going to do about that one? We don't do that. Try it. Honor God and then allow, allow him to honor you. Are you with me? All of these are parts of being blessed. So here's the next question. So then how do we as believers position ourselves to come into alignment with God's blessings? Well, that's the second word, trust. What does practical trust look like? 
How many of you know that trust is a moving target? Right? We trust people with certain things. If you're going in for surgery, you trust the doctor to do the surgery well. Right? But how many know if you're going in for surgery, you don't pick a random person off the street or one of your children to do the surgery unless they're trained to do it. Right? That's not an element of trust. It's just stupidity. Right? Well, I saw this YouTube video. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go there. Right? So what does it mean for us to trust? What does practical trust look like? This is the definition from dictionary.com of what trust is. It's firm belief in the reality, the truth, the ability uh, or strength of someone or something. That means you trust with somebody, you'll just completely with something. So for us as believers, trust is the foundation of your faith. When you take a step and you decide to follow Jesus, it's a step of trust. You say, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to live my life in a way that confirms this belief. It's more than just a mental exercise. It's reorienting your life to follow Jesus. Now, how many of you know that trusting isn't easy? Real trust isn't easy. Now, sometimes you've learned very well not to trust, maybe from experiences that you've had in your life. I remember um, we were in Denver, and we were... um, when we first got to Denver, we were this little dingy yellow church on the side of a road. And as a pastor, I went there. There was 12 of us. I had three 90-year-olds. They made up, so we had nine that were under 90. Don't tell me what God can do. He can do crazy stuff. So I went door to door to all the people in the neighborhood. And I asked them. I asked them a couple questions. One of the questions I asked was, said, that, that church down the road, what do you think about that church down the road? And they came up with crazy answers. Well, we don't even know if that, is that church even open. They're irrelevant. They mean nothing to me, blah, blah, blah. So I, I came back with all these answers from our neighbors that they told me, and I told my church, this is what our neighborhood thinks of us, and they got mad at me. And I'm like, I just got here. You guys live here. You should be mad at yourselves. So we made a decision that day. We were going to be relevant for our community. So we started to do crazy things. We did some door-to-door giveaways just to be relevant. We didn't want to be a taker, so we did a toilet paper giveaway. You got to be nuts to not receive a roll of a free toilet paper from somebody. So we went door-to-door handing out toilet paper. We literally said, we just want to let you know we love you. We don't expect anything from you. Enjoy this toilet paper. May it do everything it needs to do for you. Goodbye. <laughs> so we're going door-to-door. I only had one person not receive the toilet paper. They end up coming to the church anyway, but it's another story. So I remember I was going up to one house, I had a couple guys with me, and they had a dog in the yard. And it, was, it wasn't a big dog, but it was just a dog in the yard. And, you know, and I, I have a dog, I got cats, we got all kinds of stuff at the house. And, but I know this, there's different types of dogs like people. Some dogs are friendly, some dogs aren't friendly, and you got to kind of ease into to kind of discern what kind of dog you're dealing with. So I came up to the fence, and I'm, I'm trying to, have you ever noticed that when you start to talk to animals, you use weird, dumb voices, as if they can understand anything anyway? So I walk up, and I'm walking up to the fence, and I'm like, who's a good dog? Who's a good dog? And, I, and the tail starts wagging, and, the, and his ears are down. I thought, oh, this guy's great. So there's the gate, and there's the doors. I thought, I think we're in a safe situation. So I go to open the gate. And the dog, the, immediately, the tail stops wagging, its ears go pink, and he goes, arr, 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 arr. and I drop the toilet paper, I run like four cars down, which wouldn't be bad except I had like teenagers with me, and they're like, you abandon us. I was like, you know what, um, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Survival of the fittest, baby. Natural selection. You got you to get your motion going there. And the lady you know, came to the door. I'm so sorry. The dog's usually friendly. I don't know what's going on. And I just chucked her the toilet paper. I said, we hope to see you at church. Bye. I just left down there. You just, you never know. You know what I learned that day? Every once in a while, you know, those, those dogs will sucker you in just to get a, a bite out of the chunky Greek. You know, because they have their own things. You know, we've all learned sometimes that we can't trust everybody. Some of you have had trust broken at a very young age. Some of you have stories that just are awful. And all that, understand, is because of the brokenness of our world. And all of that is strategic by the enemy. If he can break trust in your heart, he can keep you from trusting God. So one of the things that God does in us through the power of the Spirit is he helps to restore trust. He heals our hearts. He heals our mindsets. So what does it mean for us to be able to put our experience of not being able to trust behind us and to trust God? Now, this is cool. You ready? You got to hang with me on this. This is nuts, but it's really cool. The Hebrew word for trust is batak. Now, if you look at this word trust from a pictograph understanding, this word can actually be broken up like this. When you break down each letter, each letter, again, is an action. It's a raw thing. When you put the letters together, they mean the concept of trust to the Hebrew. So the first letter in batak is bet which actually means this, to be covered, to be brought inside of something. I thought it was interesting this morning that Grace, who doesn't know what my talk is, talked about being covered in the shadow of Adonai. That's what this represents, to be covered, to be brought in. This is why when you see the word trust in Scripture, in the Hebrew Scripture, it's usually followed by the word in. You have to trust in something. There's a connotation of covering. Psalm 33, 21 says this, in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. What do you trust in? His name. It's inside of his name. Now, when you're covered by God, abiding takes place. Protection takes place. He he covers you. It's like like you're being, you're being, you're blanketed from the, the, the burning sun. He covers you from the enemy. And when you're abiding with him, is there any better place to be than to be enveloped by God? I remember years ago, um, Ty and I, we went on a winter hike up in, um, in the Rocky Mountains. This is, this is us. This is actually us at the hike right there. And I remember, um, what are you laughing at, man? We're wilderness people. <laughs> Just because you've got a tent, John, doesn't mean you're a wilderness person. That's right. So we, we went up, and it was, it was pretty dicey. We were, I mean, we were, there was no cell range. We're probably about, about 15 miles from civilization. And we're up on top of this mountain. We brought all of our gear. We knew it was going to be below zero that night. There was snow everywhere. And we decided to do something crazy. We said, you know what? We found these two big boulders. We said, let's, instead of going into our tents and stuff, let's build a shelter. So Tyler, you know, he, he's like, we should build a shelter. I'm like, that's great. Why don't you go get everything, and I'll sit here and, and, and think about what we need to do next. So we got these big sticks. We put them behind us. We built them behind those two boulders. You can see the top of the sticks back there. And, um, and, and we built this shelter, and it was, it was incredible. And we had a fire in front of us, and, and the fire was going. And, it, I mean, when I'm t- we're remote. There's nobody where we're at. We're up there, and it's absolutely crazy. And what was nuts was as long as we stayed between those boulders with that thing behind us, it was like cozy warm. 
Even though I think the temperature got down to like, like 15 degrees that night. As long as we kept that fire going, we were fine. It was absolutely incredible. And I still remember sitting there with Tyler. You hear the wind. You hear the creaking of the, of, of, of the trees and all that stuff. And with the flurry of all the, of, of, of the snow just caught up in the fire stuff and feeling incredibly enveloped by the fire. Warm. There's light. It was beautiful. We had cooked over the fire. We had full bellies. And I was like, this is a beautiful time to be enveloped. Now, I got to tell you this, and I don't want to freak anybody out, um, but if you look at the picture, you look really close in the back, that night, I think we were being watched. I'm not sure. If you look really close, can you, can you go to the, oh, there he is right there. <laughs> and he's got an ice cream cone. <laughs> My kind of guy. Tell you what, you get up in those places, it gets a little creepy at night when there's nobody around. Trust begins, that first letter, Bay begins with allowing yourself to be being enveloped by God. The second letter of talk is te, which actually means, ready for this? Pictograph, to be wrapped. That's what the letter means. It's the picture of, the concept here is uh, the picture of a baby being swaddled and wound tightly with a blanket. Have you ever, you ever tried to, you ever, you have that first little baby, you swaddle him, you, you make him like a little baby burrito? And you'd think, it would freak me out. i got to get my arms out. But the babies love it. They love to be, you know, they're in mama's belly. They love to be put that tight, right? And it's soothing for the babies to be bundled like this. In fact, some of you even have weighted blankets. How many of you here have a weighted blanket? Because you need that. Well, I tried that. I thought I was going to die. You know, what do you do if you got a weighted blanket? What do you do if an intruder shows up? Hold on. Let me get, hang on. Wait a second. Hold on. You know, I don't need that in my life, right? i got enough weight I'm carrying myself. I don't need a blanket to add to it, right? Biblically, to be unswaddled had the connotation of being abandoned. Trusting God means this. You understand that he's not going to abandon you. He's going to swaddle you. He's going to bring you in tight and bring you in close. Then the last letter of Batak is <laughs> spelled Chet. But if I can't say it, I'm afraid I'm going to put a loogie right into that, that thing there. And in its simplest form, it means life. This letter was highly connected to the concepts of covenant. When you have a covenant with somebody, you've entered into an agreement with them to where you have connected your life to them. You bind yourself to them. Have you ever put your life into somebody else's hands? You didn't know how it was going to end up? I've told you this story before. You know, Robin and I, we had the privilege of going to St. Lucia for a, a wedding, and uh, we did... Zip lining in St. Lucia. Zip lining in the United States of America is terrifying enough. Go to another country where they don't have the standards that we do. You talk about the, the walk of faith. There you go, baby. So we get in there, and you're in the class, and there's like a bunch of people, and they're putting all the Velcro harnesses on you that are going to save your life from falling to your death from a zip line. And everything is fine because they did went through all the procedures and stuff like that, and we're getting to go up to the, to the, to the first zip, the first line, and I had to use the restroom. I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. So I come down off the thing, ask the guy, so what do I do? He says, go back all the way to the thing. So I go back there, and I'm in a harness. I don't know what to do. So I start unvelcroing things so I can use the bathroom. So I come back out of the bathroom, and I'm holding this harness. And I go up to this kid. He's like 14 years old. I go, what do I do? He goes, don't worry. I'll take care of you. And it, they took like 20 minutes to put this harness on. He puts it on like, like a second. You're ready to go. And I'm like, are you sure? That was a quick process. You want to pull on something to check that everything's Okay. 
And I was a little nervous, so I joined the group, and I went to Rob and said, I, I don't know if this kid, 14-year-old, know what he knows what he's doing. Because I don't know about you, I can't hang from a zip line by my arm for more than like 12 seconds, right? Okay, eight seconds, right? I remember stepping off that line. The thing that's going through my head is, how much do you trust that 14-year-old? How many of you never want to be in a position like that? Some of you are like, I'm never going zip lining again, right? But you know what? It worked. I'm here. Give that guy an extra $5 tip. Here you go, buddy. You did great. Trusting somebody with your life. That's the understanding here. Trusting somebody deeply with your life. So when you put those three words together, bay, te, ha, it conveys this idea to be covered, embraced, and filled with life. When you look at trusting God this way, it means this. When you trust God, when you take the step of trusting God, it means this. You receive this, covering, embracing life. That's what it means to trust God. You allow yourself to be covered, swaddled, not abandoned, and to be filled with life. That's the Hebrew understanding of trust. It's more than just rolling the dice. It's more than just taking a step. It's taking your life and merging it with God. Psalm 37.5 says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. To trust him means to be covered, embraced, and allow him to fill you with life. When you do that, the Bible tells us he'll act. Isaiah 26.3 says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. He's covered. He's embraced, and he's filled with the life that you give. Psalm 28, 7 says this, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, in, in him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. My heart trusts. That means this, my heart is covered, embraced, and filled with life. That's the benefit of trust. This is what happens when you follow God's path. This is God's path of blessing. Now, the ancient Jews, they understood this. They understood the power of blessing. And they understood this, that it was the heart of God for us to live in that place of blessing. So you know what they did all the time? They blessed each other. They didn't curse each other. When's the last time you blessed somebody? When's the last time you blessed somebody? I do this all the time. And I don't know if you pick up on this or not. Most of the time when I come and I hug you, if we're out somewhere, I say, man, I say, man be blessed. God bless you. Because I don't know about you, I need all the blessing that I can get, right? Because you know what is the enemy trying to do? He's trying to erode all the things that are good in your life. And all God wants to do is bless you. So the Jews would do this. They would speak blessing to each other for thousands of years. They did this thousands of years, and they still do it to this day. And probably one of the greatest, most famous blessings that they speak to each other is Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And you know this. And we sing a song about this. We do things with it. It says this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let me say this again. Do me a favor. Shut your eyes for a second. I want you to breathe in these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
You can open your eyes. This is what I wanted to do today. And we're going to have the altars open for people if they want prayer. Just be careful. It's a little wet. But I thought it'd be neat today for us to sing not just a blessing over you, but for us to sing a blessing over each other as we leave. So I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to ask the elders to come join me real quick. Just come up here to the front, any elder that we have in the house. And this is what I'd like to do. I ask Grace. Grace is going to sing that song over us. And as we sing that song, we are going to take an active part in blessing each other today. I know what you're thinking, well, Pastor Chichi, I can't do that. I, I don't know what I'm doing. You'll be fine. Don't worry. To my knowledge, nobody's died while they were blessing somebody. Now, this may be the first. I don't know. Everybody stand with me. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.